Hey, everybody. We finally got this going. And I'm kind of glad I'm back in L.A. doing this because I was in a bit of a mood on the day I was trying to get this done. So Rudy can attest to that. Uh, that was Monday, correct? Yeah. Yeah, that was what well, we tried. Originally, it was maybe going to be Sunday. And then I was flying back. And then we were like, okay, we'll do it. You from Vegas Monday. And we had some technical difficulties. We had a lot of technical difficulties. It was, uh, I'm not going to name the hotel, but... Uh, I've never been in a hotel where there's no Ethernet cable in the room. Like every time I've ever traveled with this, you just take it out. Don't worry, we'll get all the free agency stuff, playing top golf with uh, Greg Oden, maybe a little earthquake coverage. I have a lot of stuff to get to, a lot of stories. We're going to be solo on this one today, Sarudi and I. But Monday was brutal. And yeah, you're right. You were flying back from Chicago. You were landing in Boston. You were driving from Boston to Hartford or Glastonbury. And I'm thinking, dude, I don't want you to have to then drop your wife off and then go to work on a Sunday. So let's not worry about it. And thank God we didn't do that because it wasn't going to work anyway. (laughs) So you would have driven to work after landing on a Sunday knowing you have a full week anyway. So, yeah, Monday morning, I'm like, okay, let's do this. (laughs) And then I go, I got to go downstairs to get a cable. They look at me like I asked for them to build the deck off the back of my room. I'm like, no, sir, we can't, like, in cable? Ethernet, what is it? What's called the internet? No, 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 I need an ethernet cable. What? <laughs> no, sorry. I was like, okay. And then they go, why don't you go over to the business center? And then those guys are like, that's ridiculous, I don't have an ethernet cable? I go, nope. And then somebody suggested I just go into their room where they print and see if there's a cable in there I can use, but I can't leave. I go, are there other people in there printing, and you just want me to tape one of the best podcasts in the country? And she was like, I don't understand. So then it's, uh, I don't know, maybe like 8 a.m., as I'm texting with Saruti, I start walking the Vegas Strip shopping for a cable. And let me tell you this. I never want to do that again. I never want to be in the Vegas Strip at 8 a.m. on a Monday shopping. For electronic what's stuff. The, what's the scene out there? Like, are there people still out and about? This has been three trips. I think the last three Vegas trips that I've done that have basically been all business. Like one night, you know, each night, each trip I've done one kind of later night playing cards, but not even remotely, hey, let's go out, let's do this and that kind of stuff. Um, because, you know, it's more of a, it's more of a work trip anyway. You know, I guess you could sneak in a, a big night if you wanted to, but I haven't the last three nights that I, or the last three times that I've gone there, right? So to be walking around as like a fully functioning member of society on a Monday morning on the Vegas Strip, and I don't blame people because it's it's almost just better off to be drunk the whole time you're in Vegas because that way you just sort of operate in your own little days and you're not taking in the fact that like people are at CVS on a Monday <laughs> and... Of course, the CVS didn't have it. They told me to go to Walgreens. Walgreens didn't have it. Then somebody said go to Fry's. And I was like looking at a map. I go, this doesn't make a ton of sense. And yet, like Cabo Wabo is going off. (laughs) Off. Like busy. But then playing really predictable music. You know, just stuff you're like, what? And then there's a guy with a full-blown headset on, jean shorts. I mean, straight out of Gainesville. And he's handing out flyers going, we're the best bar in America. We're the best bar in Vegas. Two for ones right down there. Everybody knows us. We're the best. And I'm like, are you the best bar in America? And the best? Maybe it is. Who knows? Yeah. 
Number one in Vegas seems high for you, man. Yeah. Right? Like, judge your book by its cover, but. Yeah, right. Like this guy throws on salt life gear when he gets dressed up. <laughs> and so he's, he's looking at me like, Hey, hey, I'm like, no, not right now, man. Like the two for ones aren't going to happen. I'm trying to find an internet cable. And then there's kind of these stripper showgirls. I'm not really quite sure what it was. And then I got on the phone with you and the girl was like, Hey, get off the phone. Pay attention to me. I'm like, and what? And what? We start hanging out. Like what, what is this? Pretty woman? I just got, I'm gonna get off my phone and I'm gonna walk around with a showgirl for a couple days. Head over, head over to the Hornets China game. Just the two of us. Get to know each other. No. You're just handing me a flyer too. So, after that little jaunt through town, I was in a pretty foul mood. And then, um, finally I was, I went to a manager. I go, we could, we gonna solve. Is there anyone here who wants to solve a problem? Any problem solvers on the staff? So I explained it to a guy. He was way more understanding. Then they grabbed me an Ethernet cable that didn't work the entire time. And then later that day, when I went back down to do it again with Saruti, after his show was over with Will, I was on the floor of a side room with a girl that worked there. I know that sentence sounded weird, but she was uh, she was really cool. She was there trying to help, and I was plugging in all the electronics, and it never really worked. Connected for like a second, didn't. So there you go. That's um. That's the technology portion of the of the podcast today. Here we are on a Wednesday, ready to go. Let's do it. Yeah, here we are. We're on a Wednesday, but uh, that was it. Was I think total almost four hours, four plus hours of dealing with that, and then going, "Cool, this isn't going to happen today." Yeah. Well, so, talk. right? Yeah, exactly. There was there was talk of you driving from Vegas to back home to Manhattan Beach, right, to potentially do it. I'm like, I don't know. So I packed up my room, packed up everything. Threw in the bags, looked at rental cars. Was like, okay, 150 bucks. This is going to take me probably four hours, and then I'm going to have to. Get, I would go, but at least I'm going to LAX. I'm close enough to home. And I, at that point, was going to do it. And then once I clicked in to reserve the car, the price doubled. I looked at flights. I even thought, hey, a blade. I could take a helicopter from that blade company for five grand. I go, probably not going to do that. It was a bit much, yeah. I kind of wanted to, but that would. There's no way. Solo blade. Wow, that would be a, that would be a, a solo blade. <laughs> Have you made the drive Bristol? from Vegas to LA? I did it last year. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a it's it's a little eerie. It's weird. I don't know. The whole thing feels like an apocalyptic deal with different Instagram setups for you to take pictures in front of. That's kind of what it is now. There's all these little things, these artsy things, or a blown out little structure, or some weird deal, and. When you go through it during the day and you see it, it's basically, okay, stop here. And Instagram people can get out there and, uh, and get the thing done. Just be influencers. You know. Yeah, just influence. <laughs> Check out this concrete thing. I noticed a lot of you have been asking about my skincare routine. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. I, I got the Instagram video thing, how often they're funny from like the really, really big time powerful people that I guess it's just kids, right? It's going to be all kids that follow these clowns and go, Oh, this is hilarious. This guy made another video and he's just overacting the whole thing. Like everybody acts the same. They do this massive overacting thing. They're like, no, no, I do the thing. No, you do the thing. Oh my God, we're doing the thing. And then it's over. And yeah, I'm, I'm being a little negative about it, but I just, 
I don't really know what it is. I, I feel like we're going to look back on the influencer movement and either it'll be the starting, uh, the start of a completely different genre of success, which is kind of cool that success can be that obtained by doing it on your own. But I think there's also a bit of, I don't know if it's resentment from other people in the public spotlight or maybe just general resentment because you're like, what is going on with this? This is terrible and these people are killing it. But all these videos that ever just pop up in a feed, and I, I trust me, I don't go looking for them. You just go, well, that well, that was stupid. And you're like, oh, 15 million followers? Okay. You know what I'm super over these days are, and here's the thing, like you and I are going to sound like curmudgeons, but like, I don't know. I just feel like there's there has to be some higher level, level of humor that we could at least aspire to be as a society. Because like, you know, especially on Twitter, it's like the, oh, you know, good morning to everybody except blah, 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 blah. Like, I feel like everybody uses that one. And then there's like the nobody, absolutely nobody. And then it's like a thing that somebody does. And everyone uses the same stuff over and over again. And like, none of it's that funny. I think what happens is if you want to be on social media, you feel left out if you're not doing the sports slash Game of Thrones meme. Yep. You know? So like, I, I can't believe people. before pe- and after deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. And I can't believe people keep doing the Spider-Man thing. What? <laughs> yeah. So, like, I'm like, wait a minute. Time. That's a long are, life. Are you hitting send on this because you you think you're in it? Or are you ironically doing this because the Spider-Man thing keeps happening? So I'm I'm with you. Like, if I see another Queen tweet, just I'm going to start doing it on stuff that doesn't make any sense. And the thing is, some people will think I'm serious. Be like, oh, he's just not very good at it. You know? Yeah, people gonna, definitely will. Well, there would be like 10% of the people. It's like your Instagram account. 10% of the people will understand that it's satirical. And the other nine would be like, what the hell is Rosillo doing? <laughs> yeah, right. I, like an Alex Bregman home run. I'm just going to do a still shot of him with a bat flip and go, my queen, <laughs> all caps. And then like younger dudes are going to go, eh, man, he's showing his age. Yeah, Like, oh, you know what I could do? You know what I could do? I could do, I could do some sort of Game of Thrones thing where – you know, God, I can't remember anybody's names anymore. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Yeah, Game of Game of Thrones. I think people just go like, "This is the best way to be involved. This is the best way to keep the content going." Game of Thrones. Oh my God, two things that were similar: Spider Man tweet, got it in drafts, ready to go. Two Spider Mans pointing at each other. All right, cool. So yeah, yeah, they're they're. I don't think there is a higher level. I don't think it is. I think the world has shown us that be like, now this is pretty good, and it's just a way of being. I think there's a real how do I how can I not be left out? Thing. That's that's it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's a definitely a volume shooting game where it's like if I'm not in the game, people are going to forget about me or I'm going to be irrelevant. And it's like, hey man, sometimes you know it's about quality, not quantity. Yeah, right. Like, is there any way? <laughs> I think there's probably people out there that are like, you know, this has been great. I've never been funny. I've never really been that creative. I'm certainly not the most popular in my group, but. You know, if somebody strikes out, I just do a Game of Thrones thing with, with, uh, with Dinklage and you just have them bummed out, still shot it, and then be like, when she doesn't answer your text. See, that's funny. Like, I've always thought about that because, like, are, are, are people that are funny in, like, memes and on the internet actually funny in real life? I've always thought about, like, could they, you know, if you met that person who's making all these memes, would they actually, like, be impressive to you? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That, I mean, I think they're all, for the most part, most of them are thieves. Like I think it's funny how yeah. like I have more sympathy for millennials now that I look at you know when I really dig into the college financing of all this like this is awful what this country's decided to do to a younger generation of people to be like hey let's saddle you with no no debt's cool debt's very American take it on like well yeah debt's great when it's the housing model of 
buy your house, pay it off, 30 years, retirement, there you go, you know, but it's not that easy. And now with the college stuff that's happening, but then it'll be this, you know, when you're younger, you don't know any better. So it's kind of like, Hey, listen to me, shut up older people. You guys are idiots. And then it's like, no, 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 I want more people's voices to be respected. And you go, wow, that's a really noble thing on the surface that younger people are more, um, I think supportive of other lifestyles in a way that I don't, I, I've never seen this before. And it's like, yes, listen to all of us, be supportive, be supportive. And it's like, yeah, but then you all steal each other's memes all the time. So, you know, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, so I, uh, I don't know. All right. So let's do some uh, NBA free agency stuff here. That went a little bit longer than I thought it would, but I do have a couple Vegas stories for you as well. And yes, the top golf with Greg Oden thing actually happened. Uh, we hung out one night through a mutual friend. So it actually ended up being great. So I actually want to tell that entire story that night too, but I got to talk about all this NBA stuff. All right. But first, hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today hiring can be easy and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash Ryan show. That's R-Y-E-N show. Here's the deal. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four or five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Ryan Show. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Ryan Show, R-Y-E-N Show, ZipRecruiter.com slash Ryan Show, ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Okay, so where were you when Kawhi was a Clipper? I was in bed because I had an early flight to Vegas the next morning, and all the texts came through, and I knew it was bad on the Lakers side at that point because some of the texts I were getting, and I can always kind of tell when something's happening where it's not going to happen with the team, where people that don't always return my call or texts reach out to me. That's always been one of my number one rules that kind of tips me off to something. I'm like, if these guys are asking me what's going on, then that means they're screwed. I don't know how many people are going to believe me here. I don't know if I told you about this, Saruti, leading up to the Kawhi thing. But if you think of how this all worked out, you had Raptors fans all year saying, you guys don't know anything. And you were hoping, you were rooting for an outcome where you got to keep Kawhi. And by the way, the Kawhi deal for one year was totally worth it. The Lakers thing felt really real at the beginning of the week because the Lakers, I think we're telling everybody, they thought it was done. So if you go through the Kawhi timeline of the week, it only continues to reinforce all of the things that I've said about him is that we don't know. NBA teams don't know. I don't think the Clippers ever really knew. I think the Lakers thought they had it. I think they thought they had it to a point where they were overconfident about it. And then clearly everybody kind of spun it back to the Raptors right before he decided to go to the Clippers. But when the Lakers stuff was happening on Monday, I don't know if I would have fallen for it as much if I weren't in L.A. But it was kind of this Magic Johnson group of people and different people that were plugged in that way where I feel like Magic met with Kawhi and just, or however he spoke with him, and Magic just was like, yep, nailed it, Magic time. I really think that's what happened. I think Magic is so confident, so enamored with himself, that he just thought, okay, there's no way. And I'd heard that the uncle was like super into the Magic Johnson deal. And 
if you're Magic, I actually wouldn't blame Magic Johnson for thinking, yeah, I just close that up because I'm freaking Magic Johnson. And so all of that stuff was happening, and Monday was really hot into Tuesday that the Kawhi Lakers, it's done, and I'm like, wow, that's crazy. You know, he ended up going there to join up, but I could always figure out whatever the whatever the end game was going to be. It was going to be really easy to write that story after the, after it happened. Be like, yeah, why wouldn't you go to the Lakers? I mean, it's the Lakers. If you want to go to L.A. and play basketball, and the pitch was to Kawhi, if you come to L.A. to play basketball, you don't play for the Clippers, you play for the Lakers. If he had stayed in Toronto, it's like, well, of course he's going to stay in Toronto. Look what just happened. He had this magical year. He can do the short-term contract, blah, 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 blah. He's a quiet guy, right? He loves Canada. Canada's quiet. Like, all these things would have been connected, but yet the Clippers always seem to be in third place this whole time. But the weird part about him being locked up to the Lakers on Monday and Tuesday, Saruti, is that he still hadn't actually met with the Clippers. And he had always said that he was going to meet with Toronto last. So unless he's a raging jerk, which I don't think he is, but again, I don't know. I'm willing to believe anything about Kawhi at this point, um, or believe none of it, which is kind of my rule. And as all this different stuff kept coming in, I'm like, well, how are we, wait a minute, how is he a Laker if he already hasn't like he hasn't done the other two meetings. Like I guess he could be done. I guess it could be done, but I don't I don't know how that could already happen. So as the week was playing out, and I guess I can share this a little bit and just you know, different people that I run into at the gym and a lot of these guys, friends with athletes, different guys, all different walks of life, and I've you know become friendly with a bunch of them. A lot of these guys are really plugged in and a lot of their information is always on point. And a bunch of those guys were kind of doing the, yeah, it's the Lakers, heard this, 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 this. I mean, of all the stuff, too, and this goes back to kind of LeBron, like, is this true? Be like, oh, I have a trainer that worked out with him and said this. I said, and you just go, dude, I don't, I don't know if I believe any of this stuff because I think there's a human nature element to anything that's going on that's big that like wants to be a part of the story, right? That wants to find a way. This isn't the exact same thing, but it is similar in the same sense that when they had the, parrot with a fire at Notre Dame, um, then everybody starts posting pictures of France. And when there's this big thing and people are in the sports world, no one wants to say, like, hey, I don't really know what's going on with Kawhi. Especially like a former athlete, a guy who played in the NBA, he'll be saying, oh, man, you know, it's locked up, it's going on here. So it was just an overwhelming amount of pro-Laker stuff going on in the week, in the beginning of the week, that didn't, obviously wasn't accurate. But it was so overwhelming, and I think being here made you kind of go, well, geez, if this guy said it, and this guy said it, and this guy said it, all these different guys are saying it, then, you know, maybe, maybe it is true. And then everybody's going back and like, well, I knew LeBron because of this, this, and this, or I knew that this guy was going to ask for a trade because of this, this, and this. And you're thinking, okay, well, all that sounds accurate after the fact, but, um, you know, let's see what happens here with Kawhi, because the Clippers thing hadn't really even happened, and people had him wrapped up. There was a mural of him already in Venice, okay? Then I met a guy that apparently is super close with Doc, and that guy was saying Doc thinks it's a done deal. They've got him. I'm like, what? Like, how How did that happen? So I'm like, all right, whatever. Like, I'm not, you know, no, I wasn't, like, going to tweet any of this stuff. And then the one thing that ended up being entirely true, but I didn't know what to do with it, I texted a couple different people about it, and they were like, I haven't heard anything about that. And that's when the Paul George thing happened. So on Tuesday night, I got a phone call from somebody who... I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say which of the teams it is, but you can figure it out. Who was with some people with one of the teams in play where Kawhi FaceTimed somebody and was like, Look, you gotta get Paul George. You gotta get Paul George. 
And so the person's like, do you know whether or not Paul George is being traded or, or anything? So first of all, Presti's not going to say anything to me, and he's not going to say anything to anybody. Aaron Mintz's agent for Paul George is a very quiet guy, but that was Tuesday night, and I'm going, wait a minute. What? Paul George, is he in play? Wait a minute, is Toronto trying to get Paul George to keep Kawhi happy? Because the Lakers are going to pull this off, so that rules them out. So what's going on here? And then... It's the Clippers, and it's Paul George. So I don't know how many people believe me. I don't. Did I text you about that, Surdy? Because I texted, I think, a couple people, and they're like, "Are well?" Mm, I didn't text you to be no. like, "Hey, yeah," because yeah. I, I didn't want to. I mean, I still don't know. I'm not at that table with the person saying this is crazy. But Kawhi just Facetime somebody I'm with, and was like, "Hey, you got to you got to figure out a way to get Paul George." <laughs> like, wow. So, but. Again, it wasn't, it's never, if you don't truly know, and especially with Kawhi, I didn't feel entirely comfortable. And again, I'm not a reporter, so I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. But if I had something that I knew was lock, rock solid or whatever, I would have put that in. But here's another element of the whole Kawhi story that's worth bringing up is here's Kawhi who were like, oh, he wouldn't do that. He's the happy superstar. Boom. Out of San Antonio. Don't want to get into debate about the injury anymore. I'm tired of it. And then goes to Toronto. And yet we learned from Ramona Shelburne that he, after he won the title, he was asking Durant, let's go to the Clippers. Let's go do this. Join forces. Durant was so thrown off, like, I don't even know Kawhi that well, and he's calling me to recruit recruit me to go with him to the Clippers. And then somehow he gets Paul George to go, hey, Paul, you got to force your way out of there. And either Paul George was totally ready to do it because he wanted to be in L.A. George was in L.A. the Saturday night before free agency. I'd gotten a text from somebody that was out who was like, guess what? Paul George, LeBron, and D'Angelo Russell are all out together. Like, what does that mean for the Lakers? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like, the Paul George part of the equation is impossible. They just traded all their assets for Anthony Davis. So it's, that's not happening. But the D'Angelo Russell thing, which I always got, thought was kind of funny that it was like, oh, Minnesota is his first choice. But then I think he ended up in Minnesota at some point visiting, but I'm not 100% sure about that, but he was, he was out in LA. So I get all these texts and I get all these people saying like, oh, what about this? What is this? What is this? So I didn't really know what the George thing meant, except that he ultimately was the key to Kawhi. So I'm not sure. I've heard different versions of it that, oh, wait a minute. Toronto was trying to figure out a way to do George to keep Kawhi happy. So would Kawhi wanted to stay there or did Kawhi always want to bounce? Did he never want to go to the Lakers? I mean, all these things are really easy to say after the fact and still very hard to answer because it's Kawhi. So when all that stuff happens, I think it leads to a couple things that are worth talking about is that this Westbrook deal now where you go, did George play for him for a year and go, I'm out? I mean, that's kind of what happened. And then what did OKC do? Knowing he was on the books for two more years, they they couldn't have just said no? Or were they thinking, well, wait a minute, torn labrum, torn rotator cuff, both shoulders worked on. Like, we're happy to get off the rest of his money and knowing that you're getting five picks, four unprotected, and two pick swaps in 2023 and 2025. It's so many picks, but now that seems to be the new thing, and the unprotected picks seems to be the new thing too. But as I'll get to with my sit-down with Daryl Morey for a Ringer Bill Simmons podcast from Vegas where Morey is not a fan of your boy after my Rockets rant, um, the one thing Daryl said, well, he just made a joke. He goes, the one thing you've been saying for a long time that I do agree with you on is that so many of these first round picks are totally overrated. 
And all you have to do is go back through history and look it up. I go, yep, that's what I've been saying this whole time. Like when a team trades a guy and they're like, oh, we got two picks. And you're like, cool, they're top 24 protected. They're they're really not that big of a deal. It just sounds cool to say you have extra first-round picks. So that's a haul. And the fact that you have to throw in Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who was like the one guy with the Clippers roster, despite all the great stories, you're like, man, this guy might be really good. He's so smooth watching him on the court and seeing it live. He just looks different than the rest of these dudes, body type. Physical stuff, all good. Obviously has to become a better player. And that's kind of a weird piece to put with Westbrook anyway, although he could probably play off him a little bit. But we'll get to the Westbrook part of this a little bit later. So did George just go, I'm out, I'm out on Westbrook? Like, I think you had a great tweet, Saruti, about, you know, I'm not a, I'm certainly established now as an anti-Westbrook guy. But even I would admit that some of this listing that we do to prove a point, and that's what I'm going to call it. I just came up with that phrase, listing where you just start listing all sorts of people to strengthen your point when you're actually using bad examples. And I think you called people out on this. Yeah, because I saw, and I, I don't think I saw anybody, like, any blue check marks tweeting this, but it was all the responses to the Westbrook hate. And I'm, and listen, I'm pro, I'm a Westbrook, I'm probably a Westbrook apologist. Like, I understand that he has a ton of limitations. I just, I like the way, I like the hard he plays with. I like watching him play basketball. Um, and I kind of feel like I have a soft spot for him for staying in OKC and trying to stick it out. But I saw so many people like lumping in the like, okay, all these players don't want to play with Westbrook, right? And they 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 lump James Harden, who got traded after that Finals year when he didn't have a great Finals, and like we didn't even know what Harden was at that point. So it's not like Hard and Harden. I don't even think had anything really say in the matter, and it certainly wasn't because of he didn't want to play with Westbrook. So that doesn't count as far as like guys that didn't want to be with him. And then they threw in Oladipo as well. And you're like, well, they they traded Old Depot to get Paul George. They traded him to get a better player. And I'm sure Old Depot again had no say in that whatsoever. Maybe he didn't like playing with Russ, but that wasn't the reason that it happened. So I think all these people that are trying to strengthen their arguments saying nobody wants to play with Russ when it's really just KD, I would say that's the only guy that has proven to, that you can really say is like, hey, I don't want, I didn't want to play with Russ because even I think the Paul George thing, I looked at this and go, hey. It seemed like Paul George wanted to be a Laker at some point in his career. That was his, that was his goal when he was in, in, when he, when he was with the Pacers. And then something didn't work out. I don't know. You have some theories on that. Exactly why it didn't happen. He ends up shocking everybody and stays in OKC. And then he has this opportunity to go to LA and play with Kawhi Leonard and, you know, not be with the Lakers, but be in LA, the place that he wants to be. I'm not sure that's an indictment of Russell Westbrook. So I just feel like all these guys, all these arguments about people not wanting to play with Russ are pretty, are, are pretty fraudulent. Uh, I totally agree on the Harden thing. That was Oklahoma City being incredibly cheap and despite being a really well-run organization, not having enough foresight to realize that cap was going to go up. And a lot of people got that wrong and didn't map out. But, you know, if you're a talk show host and you don't know what the projections of the cap are going to be moving forward with the new TV deal, that's, I think, excusable. If you're running an organization and making decisions to save a few million dollars and not want to be a taxpaying team, not realizing the cap is going to go up that significantly. Like the cap was going to go up because of TV money. Okay. All these commissioners, all of these people running different conferences that all sit there and bang the drum about how great they're doing economically because they got some new great TV deal. It doesn't mean because these people are brilliant. Like I was reading some Bud Selig stuff this weekend. I don't even care about Bud Selig as far as the steroid era. I think the people that say he's entirely responsible for it, it's just unbelievable how often we want to give the person the pass that's actually doing the wrong thing as opposed to the person that's in charge. But a lot of people will give me pushback on that. You've been hearing it for 20 years that it's all Selig's fault. I give him a pass on that. I What I don't give him a pass on is him doing every interview where all he does is try to take credit for the growth of the game 
because of economic stuff. Because I could have been running baseball and the economic model was going to grow. It doesn't matter. You could be any one of you listening right now could be running Big Ten football, and Big Ten football would be a more valuable property from the first day that you worked the job to today. So um, to not know that, to not have any kind of understanding and make a decision to move Harden for all these these bits and pieces. Uh, is a huge screw up. So that's not on Westbrook at all. The Oladipo one is entirely fair because Oladipo became the better player when he moved on. But I do think this Paul George one, I, I, good luck figuring this guy out, right? Hey, I'm at Indy. I want out. I'm ready to move on. Bigger market, LA. I'm from there. Although it's funny to live out here and people are like, dude, he's from Palmdale. Like, that's not LA. I'm like, okay, I know, but it's, it's not, it's not Indianapolis. So he hurts the Pacers bargaining. By telling the rest of the league, not only do I want out, I want out and I'm not resigning anywhere I go because I'm going to want to be a Laker. And then he gets to OKC. And OKC people, I give them credit, were very, very positive about their chances of retaining him. Although the same people were very positive about Kevin Durant coming back. But they were like, nope, nope, feel really good, feel really good. Have a, let's... I just think Paul George is kind of in that group that's very impressionable. So we'll think like, man, every superstar has branding. He's his own man. He, you know, this guy's a really good player. And yeah, but sometimes you, you forget that you're just a kid in your twenties who the last guy you talked to, you're like, yeah, let's do that. No, no, I want to go there for vacation. Oh, no, no, I want to go. I'm going to go with you instead. And I think that's kind of just who Paul George is. So he's at Indy. I'm only going Lakers, ends up not going to the Lakers and then stays for the extra year. So they are in two years. For Oklahoma City with the one year remaining in the contract, signs the extension, stays when nobody thought he was going to stay, and then decides a year later, actually, no, I want to go to L.A., but now I'm going to do it this time with Kawhi. And the other part of this gets back to the agent rep. If you're Aaron Mintz and you don't like Palenka, and when everybody thought Paul George was going there with LeBron last year, and then two of your clients, D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle, are off the team, isn't there, if you still don't like Palenka, isn't there another part of you that's like, yeah, I want to make this trade happen. Let's get Paul George out of here. Let's get him to the Clippers and screw up the whole Lakers getting Kawhi thing. So, I mean, I'm throwing that out there because it's, it's at least worth bringing up. But as far as Westbrook and the indictment stuff, the Paul George one I'm willing to put in there, Durant, absolutely. But now you're left with Westbrook. Like imagine being Jimmy Butler and going, finally, I got my own team. Like Jimmy Butler's not about winning. He's about him being able to tell everybody else to screw off, and that's where I kind of want Westbrook to end up because <laughs> that would be that would be amazing. I mean, that's going to be unbelievable. And then the other part of this whole Thunder thing, Saruti, is that looking at last year when they were coming into the season, because the tax bill is calculated at the end of that actual season. So whatever your tax projections are right now, you have all year to figure out ways to make moves to get around it. And Oklahoma City was looking at a $150 million tax bill, a total with that and their salaries at like $300 million. They were able to move Mello, saved him $110 million or something like that. And they were still looking at another tax bill because they're in the repeater lane. And they get rid of Paul George. Then they decided to move Jeremy Grant to Denver for the pick. And now you can see... And this is something I said at the end of the year. Like, I'm never a blow-it-up guy unless I have plenty of evidence that tells me I'm not sure that this works. The Harden-Howard thing with Houston, it was very clear with Toronto. You weren't going to be able to bring that same group back. And now when I looked at Russ and OKC, and it's three straight first-round exits, although I have a much bigger problem with the last two than the Rockets won three years ago. But you go, I wonder if there's a market out there for Westbrook 
because it's he's getting worse and he's getting more stubborn. I mean, God, the shooting stats. When people say, hey, "How can he fix his shooting?" I actually think if Westbrook decided, "Hey, those three just brutal no chance three pointers," let's, let's let's stop taking those. Like maybe if I just stop taking those, I'll be at a respectable three point percentage instead of the stuff where it's what under thirty. The last two years, or it's right around, I think it was like 33-ish, 34, 30, and then below 30 from three-point line. And it's like it's not like he's slowing down. It's not like he's going, hey, you know what, I'm going to – and everybody thought he fixed his shot this year and all this different stuff. But I could see the market for Westbrook being teams that have been stale, energy-wise, radar, that kind of deal, where they're thinking, okay, fine. The contract isn't great, but as we make the joke, the cap keeps going up and up and up. And I think the Thunder would go, hey, look at all these picks we're going to end up having. Look at this whole resetting of the thing. I think they just redid Presti's deal anyway. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but I'd heard that. So maybe it's out there, maybe it isn't. But the Westbrook part of this is, to me, very predictable and something I thought at the end of the year. I'm like, well, Presti's a very bold, proactive kind of guy. Like, I wonder if he would see what the market is going to be out there for him. And everything that's been written about and all that stuff, the market isn't very good. And unless you're still in love with Justice Winslow, I don't know what that one piece is, but it, it feels a little bit like the Kevin Love negotiations where I would hear about Kevin Love being offered by Cleveland and the team that would get the call about Kevin Love would tell Cleveland, well, no, we're not giving you like real assets for Kevin Love. We're doing you the favor taking you off the contract. And then Cleveland would say, no. Kevin Love's going to be awesome this year. He's healthy. We're good to go. It's not a terrible contract. And he's going to put up major numbers again. So we need the asset because we're moving the best piece. And there's just, that's why Kevin Love wasn't traded because all the teams were like, no, like we're on totally different pages. And I imagine there's something there with Westbrook where, of course, if you're Presty, you're not going to concede and be like, yeah, he's slowing down, takes bad shots, kind of hostage by his game, doesn't necessarily make people better, um, stat patter. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, get, what, how many, how many firsts can you give us? No, they're going to say, Hey, this guy's still one of the premier players, athletes, you know, MVP, all of these things. He's not at the end of his career. We need pieces. So I don't know. I don't know how that thing's going to work, but it is another example of this league absolutely never sleeping. Yeah. And I think, you know, cause I'd had a bunch of people tweeting me and be like, Hey, you know, would the magic be interested? And I think they're like a prime case of a team that's like, you know, what are they, where are they kind of going? Like, yeah, they made the playoffs last year, but they've been sort of relevant for a while. And I think you're right about like those teams that are just looking for a boost that are like, Hey, we have, you know, we don't really have anything else going on. Like, why don't we just kick the tires in Westbrook and see if it just kind of makes us relevant for a couple of years. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Like, you know, you probably know that you're never going to really compete for a title with Westbrook as your best player, but. I don't think there's something wrong in just saying, hey, we'll sell some tickets and like, you know, the fans are probably going to love him because he's a really likable guy if he's your guy and he's on your team. Like, I think there's a handful of teams that I can see totally just being like, screw it. Like, for the next three, four years, like, let's just, I don't know, have a star and like be a little bit interesting for once, you know? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think that part of it you cannot underestimate. I also believe though, trying to do this transaction now, like, if I don't, if, I, if there's not any, if there, every deal that I'm being presented right now, if I'm Presty, is something where I'm like, I don't know, like I'd have a hard time signing off on it. I would just wait. I would wait until the deadline because right now what you're doing is a bunch of teams have made moves where they think they know who their point guard is right now. So it's really kind of the worst time to do this deal, which is a lot like two years ago with Kyrie, where um, that was a terrible time to do that deal at the end of August. Like the Cavs should have just said, you know what, let's just come back, let's see if we win some games. And 
maybe Kyrie's happier and we'll just we'll just do it that way. Do you think there's like a mellow aspect to this and that like he's almost so hated on now that he's like a little bit underrated with Westbrook? Yeah. Um yeah, I I think so. There's there's probably something to that, but a lot of it's really accurate too. It, I mean, it really is. It's it's how can you be this high volume of a person and be kind of one of the least efficient guys. And that's a problem. So you'll have all these analytic teams go, no. You know, and the thing that I was always told about Russ is that, you know, a guy that came back or stayed in OKC, and that's why he's so loved there because, I mean, think about it. Think about the, the moving pieces. All these other guys leave, and this is the guy that wanted to stay. So, of course, Thunder fans are going to rep him and defend him and get weird about it. Because I've seen how weird so many of you get about it with Westbrook. But I don't know. It's almost like if you worked at ESPN for 20-something years and then another network wanted you and you were you just had it wired, right? You had it wired. Like you knew what you could and couldn't get away with. And then you'd have to start all over again and build that equity. Like Westbrook runs the show in Oklahoma City. So, yes, as Woj says, he's open to being traded and the agent getting involved and Presti trying to do him the solid here because I think Presti's probably like, you know, maybe this is my time to get off of this contract and just reset the whole thing and I can sell rebuilding. And, um, you know, they've tried, right? They've tried with this Thunder group post-Durant. It just hasn't worked out. It's been massively disappointing. And um, I, th- I, th- I just think Westbrook was is so comfortable there that it's going to be a weird thing. It's like, hey, you know, your deal with the media and all that different stuff, if you go to another town, ta- like you're not going to be able to start that from day one and tell the organization how it's going to be. Like to be able to run it that way, you got to be a guy that's been there for a little while. So I don't know. I mean, maybe he won't care about any of that stuff. He'll only care more about basketball. Let's talk about some meat. Summer is here, and you know what that means. It's barbecue season. And if you're like me, you'll be serving your friends and family the incredible meat from ButcherBox. So when my box of meat showed up, it was incredible. I'm sitting there and be like, wait a minute, more chicken? Even more chicken and beef? Wait a minute, tons of bacon? This is incredible. From grass-fed beef to free-range organic chicken to wild-caught sockeye salmon from bristol bay alaska that's incredible butcher box has over 20 different cuts of meat to choose from with customizable boxes and a variety of other options to choose from they work closely with the best farms and companies committed to raising animals humanely this ensures not only an ethical process but one that results in a better quality better tasting nutrient dense meat with no added hormones or antibiotics ever butcher box is delivered right to your door with free shipping and a month's worth of meat from butcher box Comes out to less than six bucks a meal. Whether you're cooking for all your friends and family or just yourself, that's more on my speed. Butcher Box has the cuts and options you need to make every meal a memorable one. And right now, here's the deal. ButcherBox is making sure you have burgers for all your barbecues this summer season. They're offering new members who sign up at ButcherBox.com slash R-Y-E-N. Make sure you do the dot com slash R-Y-E-N. $20 off their first box plus six free burgers in every box until October 15th. That's right around LSU Ole Miss, I believe. That's butcherbox.com slash Ryan R-Y-E-N for $20 off your first box plus free burgers in every box until October 15th. Butcherbox.com slash Ryan. The uh, whole setup is awesome. 
you just sit there and you're like, look at all this. This is great. I got, I got free range chicken going on in the freezer right now. Like you read about. What else do we need to do here? I mean, the whole West thing, Saruti, Denver, who's overlooked now. I'm not sure they're better than Utah. I don't think they're better than the Clippers. Uh, you know, this Lakers team's actually pretty good, but you're sitting there thinking Kawhi's going to be added to it. And then you see how they spend the rest of their money and the Danny Green contract. I'm like, what? You know, JaVale McGee, I'm like, are they doing it again? But they rounded it out a little bit better. But I'm going to tell Lakers fans right now, don't get so excited about Avery Bradley. He's all right. Yeah, but. what happened? Like, I, you know, he, he seemed like, you know, with the Celtics, and this is a Brad Stevens thing maybe, who knows, but, like, he has fallen off a cliff. Yeah, he's just not that good. I mean, if he's he's going to be there for defense and hit an occasional open three, that's fine. But, I mean, it just happens no matter what happens. Like whenever there's sort of a name that had some kind of thing and then he comes to your team, all you do is talk yourself into the most positive version of the transaction. And that's what's happening right now with uh, Avery Bradley. But you like I mean, the, the way they've sort of rounded that thing. I was yeah. pretty skeptical of how they were going to put that thing together. And it, I mean, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. No, they've done a better job when, I mean, that's really the, the mob mentality of the whole thing is that now granted to have the super max well, not really super max, but have the max space that we didn't think they were going to have. We were like, okay, well, it's 27 million. No, it's more like 23 million. Oh, it ends up being north of 30 million. You're going to be able to find a way to get Kawhi in there. He just have to shave off a little bit. Well, all of that had to do with Anthony Davis doing something that his own representatives were telling people he wasn't going to do and waving the trade kicker. And by the way, how about him waving the trade kicker and losing 4 million? Cause I don't think, I'm sure some way that'll be figured out. But it's not going to be on the cap sheet. Uh, Portland is better. Sacramento should be better just because everybody's going to be a little bit older there. Dallas is going to be better with a healthy group. Um, so if you do the two LA teams and Houston, who I don't know why Houston's going to, supposed to look around and think that everybody, you know, I, they're just being overlooked because the Clippers thing is new and it's unbelievable what they did. And they pulled this off and the depth that the Clippers have. The Lakers thing is going to be really good. I can't wait to watch Anthony Davis and LeBron play together. I really can't. Like, I actually think that's going to be sick. Um, and we can sit here and say, oh, they need another piece. That's fine. And there's going to be another mad guy in a little while. I think Westbrook would be a disaster with LeBron. I would never imagine those guys basketball-wise fitting together. But when you do this whole West thing, Lakers, Clippers, Utah, Houston, Denver, Portland, that's six. I don't think San Antonio's that good. Teams from around the league don't really think San Antonio's that good and that they haven't been doing as good of a job with their transactions, but they still win 48 games and it's pop. And Carlisle's always winning more games than you think, and that means I haven't even mentioned Golden State because I don't, I don't think they're locked to make the playoffs. But I have no idea what they're going to look like and what kind of energy they're going to have for the first time in six years of just not being in it the way they normally have been in it. You know what I'm saying? So maybe they come out and Steph's – I just don't think they're going to run Steph out there for 35 minutes a game and ask mm-hmm. him to take a million shots and carry them offensively and grind it out the whole time for like a seven or eight seed. I'm not saying that they're going to scale it back. They're moving in a new building. But I would listen to an argument – it seems ridiculous to leave them out, you know, with Clay coming back. But Clay's not going to come back until like March. But even then, is that too soon? And I would think after everything they went through with the Durant thing, that they're going to be the last team to rush anybody to get back out there, even though Clay's going to want to get it back out there next week. Um, they're not a lock for the playoffs, but that seems ridiculous to say. But people that have them 
like, hey, once everybody's back, they're still the best team in the West. I, I don't know about that, man. I mean, that's that that seems a little a little dicey. And I haven't even mentioned Oklahoma City because if Westbrook is there, I'd still think they'd be good enough to flirt with the playoffs here. And I haven't even mentioned Minnesota. Maybe for good reason. You think Stephen Ad- Stephen Adams gets moved too? Then his contract's so bad. <laughs> Because there was even talk about that. I mean, maybe it was just talk about it. It was a one-way street deal of, like, OKC looking to get out of that. But there was talk about him being moved even before the uh, Paul George stuff came down. Well, what I think was happening there was, okay, we want to stay with George and Westbrook and, um, you know, let's get off that Adams money because it gets up to, like, $27 million at the back end of that. And that, to me, was them trying to avoid being a tax team. So I think when all this stuff happened, I, I actually – no one would ever admit this, but I feel like there's probably a part of Oklahoma City management where they go, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna save all this money on the tax. We're not gonna have to pay any of this stuff." This team didn't even win a playoff series in the last three years, and well, we just got seven picks and Shea Gilgis Alexander. Okay, two final things that I want to do here in the live podcast. Daryl Morey did sit down with us. And I've known Daryl probably longer than any other GM in the league. First met him in 2003. was nothing but great to me. And I did that Rockets rant, and I figured that would get back to him, and it did. And so once we actually went up on the stage, we were talking a little bit about the Rockets. We were talking about Harden, some of the criticisms. And he pointed to Bill. He goes, you're all right. And he pointed to House. He goes, you're good. And then he pointed at me. He's like, you're a hater. He's like, we're not cool. <laughs> and I went, oh, okay. And I – Told him, I go, actually, I admit that what you did worked this year, okay? I just don't like watching it. And, you know, I, I think he's officiated in a way that I've never seen a guy officiated. So, yeah, I did my rant. And I go, I was telling you that I was biased and I didn't want to see it happen. And I felt bad because I like you. And he was like, nope. So, I don't know if they're releasing the audio of that. So, we had some snippets of it. But then he, like, made fun of the spelling of my name, which is always a zinger. And I kind of took it, kind of took it. And then he did something about me saying how Chris Paul, he's like, you know, all those reports about Chris Paul being unhappy, you know, that wasn't true either. And I do agree with his general premise that he's like, you guys don't even have, like stuff doesn't even have to be true anymore and it becomes a thing for the day. And I was like, yeah, I I do agree with that. But I didn't want to get into the Paul George thing too much. And he goes, you know, and you know, we're all coming back and everything's good. And then I couldn't really, I kind of couldn't help myself because I was like, well, you you know, he's also 38 million. So it's not exactly the easiest contract to move. And then he turned it in, well, the top players are never actually overpaid. And I I agree with that part of it. Um, unless they're unhealthy all the time at the end of seasons, which is happening with Paul all the time. So it was, uh, it felt a little real. So I don't know that Daryl's ever coming on the podcast. Although Daryl will be the type that would still come on, even if he didn't like me. Um, but it's pretty clear. Yeah. But I'll laugh the next time. Because I always get these tweets. And it's like, oh, you just stick up for Maury because he's your buddy. No, he isn't. Yeah. <laughs> he, he definitely he definitely isn't, isn't my buddy. Um, and I kind of expected that. If I were a GM of a team and somebody went off who I've known a long time and said, I root against your team, I'd be like, well, screw you. Like, this is my team. It's my family. I'm protective. I am over the top about it. But, you know, there's a couple things I could have said that I didn't say. But, you know, one of them would have been, well, don't tweet out below 500 records is some sort of accomplishment against the Warriors in the playoffs the last few years. Like, that's weird. Like, that's not you, Daryl. But I think it's incredibly frustrating to keep losing that Warriors team, especially this year. Okay, before we get to better 
Vegas story time. I want to tell you about the guys from Dollar Shave Club. When I talk about Dollar Shave Club, I can't stress enough the quality of their products. They spent years developing, crafting, refining everything. They have everything I use to look, feel, and smell my best. You name it, they have it, and I use it. I've been a Dollar Shave Club member for years, all the way back to when their founder came by and checked us out with SVP and Rosillo. And as amazing as the shave stuff is... Dollar Shave Club is more than just razors. Dollar Shave Club has you covered head to toe. They always have everything you need to shower, shave, style your hair, brush your teeth, and yes, even wipe your butt. And Dollar Shave Club can keep you automatically stocked on the products you use. You get what you want whenever you need it, whether that's once a month or a few times a year. I never have to waste time at a store wondering if what I'm getting is any good. As a Dollar Shave Club member, I know what I'm getting is the highest quality. And right now, you can put the quality of Dollar Shave Club's products to the test. Their ultimate starter set has everything you need for an amazing shower, close shave, or even clean teeth. I just got a new one sent the other day. The toothbrush is awesome. I just, the angle of it itself. Um, they have this new scalp thing, which is a great way of keeping people like me involved in the, the shampoo side of deals. And the best part is you can try each one right now for just $5. After that, the restock box ships regular size products at regular prices. Get your ultimate starter set for just $5. Why would you not do this? $5 at dollarshaveclub.com slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash Ryan. Okay, little story time, and then we'll bounce. Just a reminder for everybody to check out the Woj pod. Um, the first couple off the shelves, firing off the shelves, got GMs on. We have a plan to add an extra one with some GMs that we've talked to on the pod and check out the low post as well. And a big reminder, big mood is a thing kids like to say a lot. SVP and Rosillo podcast, the first one did monster numbers, monster numbers, okay? And we're obviously going to do a second one, and we plan on doing it next week. So I have a little bit of making it up to you guys. So I appreciate being patient. But with Scott and I's travels, we knew the July one and the beginning of the month was going to be a little dicey to pull that off. And I'm heading to the East Coast this uh, this weekend to go back. And I'm doing Jalen and Jacoby for a few days. So I think there's a way that I'll be in studio in New York and Scott will be back in Bristol at the beginning of the week. So that's likely when we're going to try to dial that one in. All right? So there you go. little housekeeping for you. So on... What was it? Was it the first night I was in town? I don't think it was the first night. No, the first night I was in town, I played cards. Simmons and I played cards with house, all ringer guys. And people kind of sat down to play cards with us, but they weren't really playing cards. I think it was more of a, you know, let's just kind of orbit around. And honestly, that's not a blast. Especially when Bing takes over the table and she's a sloppy dealer. And she dealed me out of two hands just because I didn't have my chip down in time. And the thing is, I wanted to be like, if you were really crisp and fast, then you'd have a point. But you're throwing cards all over the place. You're sloppy. You're loose. And I'm not impressed by your dealing whatsoever. Vanessa was way better. And then Bing kind of wiped us out there at the end. And then I ended up even on the weekend because every time I go to Vegas, I end up even. So I guess I can't really complain. But Titus, who you guys know, and Tate, his co-host from the One Shining Podcast. So Titus is the walk-on. You guys remember Ohio State, Shark, right? Um, Club Trill, who wrote the book, Don't Put Me In. Great dude, right? Got along with him. I think it's really cool that he grew up with Odin, grew up with these guys, and was on this AAU team. That was Eric Gordon, Mike Conley, Josh McRoberts, and Greg Odin, and then Titus. So... He's like, look, 
Mike Conley wants us to go out to dinner with him, and <laughs> you guys are invited. So I'm like, all right, done. Because we were talking about doing Top Golf. I had never done it before. Have you ever done it, Surdy? I have not. No, you haven't. They don't have we a Harvard Vegas workout. now. Yeah, something to do. Something to do. So SDK is the spot. Great steakhouse. If you've never been, I mean, you know, most of these high end steakhouses do something right, right? And you could say like, oh, I've been to one. I've been to all of them. SDK though has got a little different vibe, and it's um, it's always I've always had fun whenever I've gone to it. Okay, so. As we are rolling in, it's a bunch of NBA dudes. And it's just kind of how it is. Like, all these NBA guys want to be in Vegas, too, not just the Summer League kids. The Summer League kids, though, stand out in such a different way than, I guess, maybe the dude's making $30 million a year. I guess you could probably figure that out without my observation on that one. So we roll into SDK. Conley's there. Odin's there. It's a bunch of other dudes. And then it's me, Titus, and Tate. And as we're, like, looking at the table... There's not going to be enough room. So then me, Titus, and Tate sit at a, a, like a bar overhang. So it wasn't actually even the bar. It was just this side thing. So it was kind of the kids' table. Someone made the joke that it was the white table. And we were sitting not even facing the table with our backs to like all the cool guys. And Titus hadn't seen these dudes in forever and I actually hung out with them. And he was still going to sit with me and Tate. And he goes, hey, is it cool if I go sit? And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I can't believe we almost, you almost sat with us and didn't eat with them. Go take the extra chair. The two of us will sit over here. You go do your dinner. And that's that's what you – so I actually didn't sit and have dinner with those guys. But it would have been awful for Titus to not sit there with all of his high school buddies and teammates when they're all together. That, that was the whole point. The point wasn't for me to sit there and be like, hey, Mike, I'm really psyched for you in Utah. Um, you're really going to, you know, you can play on the ball, you can play off the ball. <laughs> it's going to be terrific. And, you know, I'm not, I kind of, I kind of like Ingles. I think you're going to like him too. I think you're really going to like Jingles. So, um, that part didn't work out, but the part that did work out was top golf, which it is a lot of fun. Odin couldn't be nicer. He's, he's actually incredibly nice, engages with everybody. And, uh, he had just finished destroying Scalabrini in the big three tournament. So it was, um. Oh, is that the elbow video everybody was, was posting, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a good but, one. But, but Scal got up and into him too, cause Scal was trying to figure out any possible way he could defend Greg Oden. And so there's a part of it where when the defender's sticking his head into your stuff, like it's, you know, a lot of offensive players won't hit you, right? They'll, they'll be like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to hit this guy, but Oden's like, whatever, I don't care. So yeah, ended up, um, and my, a couple of my friends are like, no, they're like, how would you end up playing top golf with him? I'm like, yeah, we did. I don't know what to tell you. I came in second. What, how, how does he play golf? It was, uh, I felt terrible for him because somebody came over and they're like, Hey, we're going to bring you extra clubs. And he's like, Oh, don't worry about it. And the clubs were killing him, killing him. I mean, he was using the same driver I was using. Yeah, there can't be great form there if you're, I mean, you, you would need a club literally several feet longer. Feet is, is I a lot. I imagine a lot, most seven footers don't golf. I don't think that's a thing that they would pick up, right? No, it feels like perimeter guys are more into golf. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, there's, there's not, there's not no one that's tall. I'm sure there are really tall NBA players that do it, you know, figure out a way, get the custom clubs and all that kind of stuff, but it would feel like there was more of a margin for error on your swing 
I'm just talking science here on that one. Although, you know, athletes always find new ways to impress the hell out of me with how good they can just be at different stuff. You know, like, oh, that's why you're a pro athlete and the rest of us aren't. So, yeah, there you go. Top golf. Um, also nailed China plus 25 <laughs> against it. the Hornets <laughs> and then they won outright. And when you're sitting in the book in Caesars on a Monday when no one's there, Watching China and the Hornets. It's the first basketball game I've bet on in forever. I'm talking like, I think over 10 years. But I was just there. We didn't have anything to do. I didn't feel like playing cards. We didn't really want to go out. And I had a flight the next morning. So that was after my miserable no podcast day. So we sat there. And this is actually how I closed the pod. Because it was really funny. We we started doing kind of like funny things where I'd be like yelling about one of the guys from China, how you couldn't defend him. And then I'd just be like, China just wants it more, man. Like, it's obvious. But Bridges and Bacon didn't play in that game. And I thought there was a chance that Bridges, because he had gone off in the previous summer league game, wasn't going to play. But I looked it up, and I couldn't find anything. There may have been somebody, a local reporter, so don't get on my case here, Hornets fans. There may have been somebody saying, hey, Bridges isn't going to play in the second game. But I just assumed he wouldn't because that's the unfortunate thing about Summer League now is that if you're a guy with any kind of name recognition, meaning like a high enough pick, you don't even want to play in any of the games. And a lot of the teams are just allowing that to happen. I mean, everybody went over to the Orlando thing like, oh, cool, we're going to see Mo Bamba. I'm kind of excited. Oh, no way. He's not playing. Shocker. You know, and it just keep happening. And for the Summer League thing to keep growing because it is a really cool experience. NBA junkies absolutely love it. All this basketball around you, all these different people walking around. Everything's very accessible. Two gyms, basketball at the same time. Again, it's an awesome deal. It's turning into this thing where it's like, ah, I don't really want to play. Like I was picked really high, and I don't want to play in this game. So I saw some Kobe White. Don't really ask me what I saw in Summer League that, that means anything. I mean, Celtics fans right now are trying to figure out if Taco Fall is going to be the starting center. I don't think he's going to be on the roster, folks. So everybody needs to relax on that. But as I was looking at the lines, because there was only two games left to bet, I go, China plus 25, got to do that, right? And China had been getting destroyed. And um, I, I bet it. And then this dude next to us was like, hey, do you have China? We're like, yeah. Yeah, we had China, man. And he goes, what, what, how, what, you know, what was your read on it? I go, well, I go, I don't think, I go, I, Caesars definitely didn't think, I wouldn't imagine, like, maybe they didn't know Bridges or the Bacon thing they were going to sit out. And the guy's eyes got really wide, but not like in a jealous, I missed my opportunity to bet on China way, but in the total degenerate way of a gambler who is so excited about any regular, any guy, because I wouldn't consider myself a sharp. <laughs> That's a joke. Um, just a guy going up to the window, putting his money down and thinking he has a little angle on the actual book. Like, these guys live for that stuff. So his eyes get really wide. He's like, no bridges? I was like, no. He goes, did you hammer it? And he's looking at me like he wants to hear me say so badly I put like 10 grand down on it. And I was like, no, I didn't I didn't hammer it, dude. Because at the end of the day, if I had lost, I'd be like, why would I have bet China? Yeah, it's, uh... They were up seven at the half. I was like, oh, this is free money um but honestly i didn't bet that much on it and that's a lesson bet responsibly okay i hope you enjoyed the delayed release of this free agent wrap-up and vegas stories and um yeah we're, we're uh we got a plan here so svp and Rosillo next week and uh, we'll talk to you then